welcome to the Down and Front Podcast, the official podcast of downandfrontpodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining. Happy New Year, everybody, to the beautiful 2019. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to say a thanks so much, and I appreciate it. What we do here in the Down and Front Podcast is review a bunch of movies, TV shows, media, video games, you name it. We talk about a bunch of stuff, all while having our favorite alcohol beverages or just regular drink. It doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol. Uh, and we sometimes we have special guests, sometimes we don't, but we usually try to do this about every week and about some of the newest movies that's out in theaters. So tonight we are going to be giving you a full review of Vice, one of the newest films in theaters right now, directed by Adam McKay. I mean, it has just about everybody in this. Um, actually, did not realize that Tyler Perry's name is like predominantly like on the actual poster. It's like Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Sam Rackwell, Tyler Perry. I didn't even know that was him until after the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's really good. I mean, I, you know, it's just weird that all those other ones have some pretty big characters, especially how much they were on screen. And then they have Tyler Perry on there. It's like he was only there for like five minutes, but. I think it's kind of weird. In any case, we're going to talk about Vice. Uh, before we get into that, before we start talking about spoilers, before we start talking about all that stuff, we're going to do, as usually, we do a bit of a roundtable. So we're going to talk about what else we've been watching and what we currently are sipping on tonight. And for tonight, we have the famous, the infamous, one of my favorite people in the world. We grew up together. Right. Way back. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you've been listening in. No, I'm going to toss it to our special guest tonight, Ricky. I don't know exactly if you want me to do first name, last name. I'm just going to simply say Ricky. First name is fine. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and joining us tonight. How are you? How are you? How's your year so far? What has been your favorite movie in 2018? What are you sipping on? And what else have you been watching? Boom. Oh my fucking god, that's a lot. Um. I am okay. Yeah, I'm like psychologically well, but physically ill in that. Yeah, that's where I'm at in 2019 so far. I would say it was my favorite movie of 2018. Oh my God, what did I even see last year? Putting you on the spot. Oh, yeah, and I like did not like think this through. That's okay. Um, well, let me skip that and say okay. what I'm sipping right now is water because... I am not feeling well, and that is what I need to help me get through this. There was some NyQuil earlier, so there may have been some scissor sipping, <laughs> but that is behind me now. Um, in terms of what else I am, and I'm still going to get to my 2018 movie, I'm just pulling up my Fandango thing now so I can see what I watched. Fandango, um, Yeah, I don't know, man. I just could never get, like, I started using it and just always keep going back to it. What do you guys use to buy your movies? I mean, majority of the time, I'm just with the AMC app. Oh, so you have the uh, past thing? Yeah, just because we're closer to AMC, so it just makes sense to me. Um, that makes I sense. Can, I can definitely get the majority of my stuff was on Fandango until they started not waiving the fees. Mm. And I was like, nah, I'm good. They got, y'all, are, y'all are ridiculous. I'm good on this one. Like, can't charge me an extra $3 for a movie? Come on now. What happened to Movie Pass? Did it finally go under? Oh, I hope so. I'm it's pretty sure it's around. still there, <laughs> but Movie Pass is trash. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. I mean, New Year, New Me. I'm, we're, okay. That was 2018. <laughs> Got so it. That was 2018. Warren. 2019. Warren doesn't talk shit about 
yes, those yes. sort of things anymore. Um, and then what else I'm watching is you. Well, I just finished it. You. Uh, no, not either one of you. <laughs> but it's a show called You on Netflix. And it is like basically, as my best friend described it, a broke Brooklyn version of Dexter. Um, <laughs> but it's like a lot more psychologically fucked up because it's like Dexter with the whole like, I only kill bad guys thing. I avoid women and children. Like it, but there were some more clear moral lines and those lines are not at all present in you. Um, and he like, doesn't, he's not like a serial killer, but he, it's just, he's like an obsessive stalker. And it's interesting that the whole show is narrated from his perspective too. So you're like, hearing how he's justifying these things to himself. And um, I was telling my friend, like, I really love it because I used to have a thing with serial killers anyways. And I always said, like, there was something about Dahmer that resonated with me because, like, his justification for what he was doing was, like, I just want someone who's not going to leave me. Like, I like I understand that impulse, even though I wouldn't take it as far as, like, kidnapping someone and drilling a hole in their head. And, like, you know, that's a lot. So I understand what the Joe, the main character, and you is, like, trying to achieve, like, the nervousness about, like, not knowing if someone's lying to you or not. But, like, I'm not going to go to the lengths to, like, verify that's not the case that he went through. So it just kind of makes that that line between, like, what we see as, like, psychotic and what we see as normal. It's not as, you know, stark as we think it is. It's a matter of degree instead of, like, you know, a switch that goes on and off. So I love that. Nice. And I don't team move for you. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's okay. Um, who stars? Is is there anybody in it that we know? You is starring um, Penn Bagley from Gossip Girl. He was okay. He played uh, Dan in Gossip Girl. I don't know him from anything else, but he he's really good in this role. His really sharp features. I think his look fits. Um, and his his narrative voice is compelling. Like I don't feel annoyed hearing him talk all the time, and he's really good at like even when because it switches between him talking narration and him talking in real life, and the way in which it's like inflected is it's just so subtle that like I I feel the difference of being in and out of his head, and um, so I think it's some pretty good voice acting as well. I don't I know the woman's last name is Lael. I can't think of her actual. Um, Name. Let me see. Get it. Yeah, she is also really good in her role. Um, she plays the vapid, you know, I don't know who I am, New York writer, blonde, that whatever. So yeah, I think she she does really well in that role too. So it's good. It's good. I recommend people watch it. Um, there's going to be a season two. I don't know how I feel about that, but mm. that's the case with shows these days. I feel like you can just stop at a miniseries and call it a day. But. Interesting. Yeah, I see that it's uh, a full season. It's about 45 to 49 minutes per episode. And it's yeah. 10 episodes. So it's it's a lot. I mean, but, exactly. Uh, but the creator it's of it, it's, I, I think it's a lot. It's um, standard. I got my aunt hooked on it. She finished the entire show in one day. My mom finished the show in three days. Um, my friend Michelle is like halfway through the show after a day. So like once you get in on it, like you're in. I still think it's a lot, but I'm not, I'm not saying it's a lot for me. I'm just in general, like just going to toss it out there. Uh, but the creator of the show is Greg Berlanti. And so I was curious cause that name sounded familiar. That guy does everything. Yeah. 
Oh wait, what else do you do? Love uh, all the CW shows. Oh. Uh, so Arrow, Flash. Oh, interesting. Legends of Tomorrow, Riverdale. Yep. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Black Lightning. Uh, yeah. Black <laughs> Lightning. That's all him. But the more the the best one by far was Love Simon that came out last year. So um, that's what I was talking about. I actually haven't seen any of the other shows that you're talking about there, Brylin. Cool. I've seen some of the CW shows. I don't feel like it has that same aesthetic at all. Um, I yeah, I just feel like it's it feels pretty unique to me. But then again, I think like Riverdale and Sabrina have their own aesthetic. The superhero movies have their own aesthetic, so he just ha- he can work in multiple different um, looks. It seems like so. That's good. Cool. That's cool. Well, Ricky, it's always great to have you on. I'm super excited for you. Do you have your uh, best movie from 2018 yet? Um, yeah. So this is like a brief like look back, but I'm gonna say the movie that I remember the most from 2018, the movie that I want to see again from 2018, is Annihilation. Oh, that was a good one. Um, Um, I won't say it's my favorite movie of 2018 because I'm sure I saw something else I can't remember right now, but that movie stuck with me. The visuals, the story, the fucked up ending, like (laughs) all of it was was very compelling and I need to, it's one of the movies you feel like you need to watch again and again to get all the little pieces in the back. So it's on my to watch again list for 2018. Nice. Yes. I tried to bring my mom to that movie. She's like, what is it about? I'm like, "I, I don't actually know. I just... I didn't know. I was like, I know it's Annihilation. And she's like, I, no, I don't think I'm going to like that movie. I think yeah, I did not bring her that. I actually won't see anything else with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's okay. I mean, my mom that also bear still freaks me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that bear in that movie still freaks me out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let me warn Who's time is it now? Uh, it is the beautiful mouth of the South. Mm-hmm. The most handsome person that I know, Brylin. How's it going, man? What you sipping on? What you watching? I'm not going to ask you what's your favorite. We're, we're going to get to that later. So you're not, a special, you're not a special guest tonight. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, happy 2019, everybody. Good to be in a new year. Uh, have the old one behind us. Uh, I am drinking my Gentleman Jack whiskey right now because, you know, I like to nurse it and make a bottle last forever. Uh, but. Jack whiskey is that like your favorite whiskey? Yeah, it's my favorite whiskey, okay. Gentleman Jack. Um, and um, I've been watching a few movies like to wrap up 2018 just to get them in, see if they're good movies or not. Uh, I saw Holmes and Wat- Watson, that's hot trash. Don't go see it. That's all I'll say about that. Damn it. Um, I saw Bumblebee, which is actually the best Transformers movie made, and it has like the best uh, lead actress in it as well, Haley Steinfeld. She does a fantastic job. A lot of people are giving it crap because the fights aren't as epic, but you know what? I thought that was a good thing about the movie. So, uh, especially if you like the old classic Generation 1 look of Transformers, like what I grew up with and just being absorbed by that cartoon growing up and those uh, toys, then you'll have a great nostalgia trip. And I also think its soundtrack is definitely up there for 2018, along with Black Panthers and Into the Spider-Verse's soundtrack for just really great compilations. It's really, really done well. Uh, But what I want to talk about mostly is that I saw Roma on Netflix, which is um, Alfonso Cuaron's latest film. 
And this is a fantastic movie. It's beautifully shot. Uh, if you have 4K Netflix, definitely watch it because uh, there's hardly a movie in 2018 that looked just as good as it. Mm. And um, it is a fantastic uh, just character study of different class uh class levels in mexico in the 70s but also dealing with politics but also it has a great balance of like these big picture things that are going on but also telling this very small story about a housekeeper for a middle-class family in this neighborhood in mexico city uh and it is has some great moments it's beautiful it's thought-provoking but also very heartbreaking at times as well probably has a scene in it that is going to be Probably one of the most disturbing and heart-wrenching scenes in any movie I've ever seen. So, um, But it is definitely worth watching. So if you like Alfonso Cuaron's films, and if you are interested in seeing a really good deep drama, Roma is great. I tried to start watching that. Um, so did Emma. I actually fell asleep. Not because of the movie, because I was like super tired. But I don't know yeah. if it's going to be... I don't know if that's my type of movie. Um but I did it. I did appreciate the aesthetic of it. And I did appreciate the fact that they had subtitles, which is a really big thing for me, especially when you're shooting a movie in Mexico. You yeah. need you, you kind of need subtitles for authenticity. So I was really excited about that. Uh, and so one other thing, I was curious because uh, I I was. I know I, I said I was going to watch all the Transformer movies, but I didn't talk about <laughs> all the other sort of franchises, but I may check out Bumblebee. Only reason is the um, director, apparently, was used to be a, a head animator, um, and he did Coraline, Box Trolls, Paranorman, and Kubo and the Two Strings. So that, awesome. um, that small sort of company that we talked about a couple times. Like a... Uh, yeah, Leica. And apparently he only directed two movies. First was Kubo and the Two Strings, which I absolutely loved. It should have won Best Animated, but whatever. And then this second film was Bumblebee that he directed. So I'm curious. Very curious, Travis Knight. I may check that out. Makes, that makes a lot of sense of how that story progresses in Bumblebee. Uh, one last thing I want to mention. I won't tell my favorite movie of 2018, but a movie that I think people should check out because i thought it was going to be nominated for awards when it first came out but sadly it's not uh which is a futile and stupid gesture on netflix uh which is a retelling of the um found founding of the national lampoon magazine uh so uh i thought it was really funny it's got really cool uh acting especially with domino gleason in it um but uh it is actually a really good heartfelt story as well so definitely worth checking out well it's always great to have you on and it's great to see your face uh my name is warren and i will be the host for this evening uh, i am currently sipping on some sort of mix between strawberry lemonade light and vodka it's pretty good and i have a low calorie gatorade so uh that's also pretty good so i have a couple different drinks here uh, just pour right into the same glass i was going to do that but all of this is questionable. <laughs> Why? The drink, the Gatorade, the thought of mixing that. Mm-mm. <laughs> Have you guys seen Maniac on Netflix? 
I have no. seen the image suggesting that I watch it, but I've not actually <laughs> watched it yet. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, I think at one point for like maybe two or three weeks, it was popping up everywhere, and I couldn't get it off of my feed. So we finally started a new show, me and Emma, and we started watching Maniac. I think we're up to like maybe episodes five or six, maybe seven. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the show, but I enjoy some of the story that they're telling so far. I think I can definitely at least kind of, I'll definitely finish it, unlike the Romanoffs. I know we talked about that. I'm done with that show. But uh, I do enjoy at least um, the acting. Emma Stone is, uh, I think she's just getting better and better in some of the roles at least that she takes or what she's doing with it. But um, she's a phenomenal actress. Uh, In regards to... Dang, I'm going to forget his name. He did mid-90s, Brylin. Jonah Hill. Oh, Thank Jonah you. Hill. Yeah, in regards to Jonah Hill, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, he's playing uh, a character who potentially could be diagnosed with multiple um, – oh, sorry, schizophrenia. And so it, I'm, I'm not sure if he's playing for that. And he's just kind of pretty much one note where other people is like kind of all over the place in the in the show. So hopefully that kind of branches out. Um, hopefully he kind of opens up a little bit more. I think we have like four or five episodes left. So I'm pretty excited about that. So um, that's what I've been watching. But I would love to ask you guys. I tried to watch the new Black Mirror on an Apple TV and I couldn't. Have you heard about this? No. Yeah, you got to watch it on a computer or an Iowa or like a any type of touchscreen device. Wait, really? Why? It's, it's like interactive. interactive. Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was super nope. upset. We were super excited. Nope. We were about to watch it. It was me, Emma, and CJ. We're sitting down. We're like, oh, we're going to do this whole thing. And it said interactive. We're like, okay, cool. And we started up. And on Netflix on the uh, TV, and it was like from a fourth gen Apple TV. So it's not like that's obsolete. And it's not like you can't. Like, you play games on the Apple TV, so I don't know what they're talking about. But the fact that it was, like, 15 seconds, and we were like, I thought this was supposed to be longer. And it would just be an instruction that says, hey, you, you can't actually watch this. I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I'm, I'm good, Netflix. So yeah. I heard it was also bad. So I'm not sure. So as we uh, would always do, I'm going to go ahead and raise my glass here so that we can be able to send a sip, some special shout outs to some people or things or ideas, who knows, in our lives. So I'm going to toss it over to Mr. Brylin. What you got? Yeah, so I'm going to send my sip out to Joe Rogan. Not only is he a great podcaster, uh, but also uh, he had a great comedy special come out this past year. But recently uh, he's been on social media uh, Kanye put out a tweet saying like he'd love to tell his story and Joe Rogan said hey I'll let you talk as long as you want and then Kanye replied saying I just talked to Joe Rogan things are happening so if Joe Rogan actually pulls off that he sits down with Kanye for like three or four hours to talk I'm definitely tuning in so <laughs> Joe Rogan you're master, uh, your master uh, diplomat if you make that happen so here's to you <laughs> I mean, cheers to you, Joe Rogan, but I I don't know if I'll be down to watch that. My stress level just I just, the roof. <laughs> I just want to see what chaos and calamity will happen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. That should be fun. All right. What you got for me, Ricky? Um, I'm going to send my sip of water to Elizabeth Warren. 
um, for announcing her 2020 presidential bid. I was hoping she would run in 2016. She did not. Um, I think she captures all of the kind of economic um, focus that Bernie Sanders offered, but with actual substance and experience behind it, as opposed to just the rhetoric that he had. Um, I think she also has like a very calming presence, and I think it'll be hard for um, Donald Trump to be as aggressive and like crass in like dealing with her. I'm, this is just my thought of how them two will play out directly. Um, I think it's easier to talk about, you know, little Marco and blah, blah, but when it's like a, a powerful guy, like doing that to a woman, it seems a little gross. Um, just like he got the whole Megyn Kelly thing was gross. So we'll see. I, um, I'm excited for her though. I think her ideas are amazing. Um, the, the bill she's put out, I am committed to working for her in 2020 if she becomes the actual candidate. So, and I've never done that before in my life, but I was like, I'll move to Boston to work for you because I just believe in you that much. So yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. But good luck to her. Nice. And is that official? Cause I, I thought it was kind of like a feeler that she put out. Well, it's like a presidential exploratory committee, but it's pretty much like official. Like it just, it means you're starting the campaign. Yeah. And she has, yeah, she made her talked about a running mate, right? Oh no, no that doesn't happen until yeah. much later. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just made her official announcement that she's pursuing it. Yeah. But people knew is like, yeah. mid last year, she started putting out like really comprehensive bills about like how to reform capitalism and, mm-hmm. um, the housing crisis and she just did a recent one about uh, prescription drugs. So it's like she's been putting out her kind of like ideological uh, platform for a minute now. So it just makes sense that she would announce. Well, that's exciting. So big ups, big ups to you, Mrs. Warren. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. I'm so <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, my shout out goes to the entire year of 2018. I really think uh, I'm super excited. I'm super pumped uh, of Golden Globes and Oscars because I feel like we got a lot of different movies, although a majority of them were definitely like sequels or something about like extending some sort of like weird universe. I still think that we got a good amount of stuff on our plate, which was really cool. And people are still kind of sifting through different TV shows or even different movies, mainly for the movies. I really felt I really saw a lot of different ones. And so I was really super excited about that. Uh, And for the fact that just so much stuff that ended up happening to it that I was always kind of excited about 2018. Um, So thank you so much. I'm excited for you. And uh, I'm looking forward You're to 2019. excited for already passed. Yeah, I'm excited that 2018 okay. is done. And I'm excited oh. for 2019. Okay. Is that okay? That's fine. That's better than what you said at first. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. And with that, we're going to take a break. So, we are actually at our spoiler section. If you have not seen Vice currently in theaters right now, I would say you probably want to at least pause Look up some IMDb, Wikipedia, look up something about it if you don't want to be spoiled, but we will be getting into all the nitty gritty and the details. So with that, we will say this is our spoiler section. We will see you soon for a full review of Vice. (laughs) 
and we are back in We Are The Down In Front podcast with our special guest, Ricky. Thanks so much for joining in. Uh, we are going to be talking about a spoiler section. So if you're not seeing Vice, this is the time to actually pause the episode. We're going to break it up into a couple different sections. We'll talk about some actings and some characters, which we talk about makeup work and performances and things like that. Uh, the next section that we got to also talk about is the impact of the narration technique. Um, other things that we will be kind of spicing in are things like sort of cultural relevance as well as, you know, historical accuracy. And then we kind of end up with our conclusion and our final thoughts and a, a beautiful send off. So I'm going to also toss it over to, as always, the mouth of the South and talk to me about the acting and the characters of Vice. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to acting and characters, I mean, you got to really start with Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Um, he definitely goes through a huge transformation to look as much like Dick Cheney as possible and capture a lot of the mannerisms that we've seen through media uh, from him. Um, but ultimately, I find that his role um, is kind of boring, and I feel like throughout the movie, even though we're getting this Dick Cheney, um, that we're supposed to like be surprised at things that he does. I never felt surprised at anything, and I never felt like I learned anything more about Dick Cheney than I already knew. And I found that I actually appreciated more of the young Dick Cheney elements in the movie rather than the ones that we are more known about. I mean, less like the movie starts is like he has a very secret life. We fucking tried. Um, we, uh, I just find that Christian Bell was basically told to be Dick Cheney, and he literally did that, and he did it too literally. So we don't mm-hmm. get any type of depth of character to the role. I mean, I, I like his stance. I liked how he was kind of step into the character he was being a kind of asshole he was being kind of brash and i like at least what he kind of shown especially because a majority of a lot of his characters are sometimes over the top or just kind of unrealistic um so i think it's it's a, it's a bit different especially uh to give me a different character from what i've seen from bale because uh, realistically the w- one thing that pops into my head besides batman that i can think of is american psycho um and that was like a very, very weird and different and like out there character, but I like he actually had moments of like subtlety, he had moments of insanity, and he was kind of all over the place. I think you can kind of see a, a bit of stuff that you can show here, but his physical acting was out of this world, and the fact that he can at least perform without actually having lines I mean, I think I guess they showed it in the teaser or excuse me, in the trailer, the whole mouthwash thing, what I thought was kind of great uh, but the this how he was just carrying himself the entire time, and especially when this man was having heart attacks, which I thought was hilarious, sad, yeah. scary, but hilarious. I, I, I just liked he can actually kind of carry these scenes through and through. And again, as exactly how you said, it was very subtle, Rylan, but clearly while he was on um, the actual camera, like he definitely was controlling and kind of running the scene, although it wasn't anything flashy about it. Uh, and if you look at a counterpart, we can see somebody who was doing a bit of a gimmick or something kind of flashy. Like we'll talk about Sam Rockwell a little bit later on. It's very easy to watch him and says, oh my gosh, that 
that's George Bush and that's like comical and it's like it's it's kind of funny, but he wasn't playing it for that way. So it's it's very nice to see them both on screen and also we'll talk about the narration and how they were splicing in some imagery about exactly what Dick Cheney was trying to do. And I think they, they mentioned it pretty early on of that quote. Uh, I think it was from Anonymous. I think, but that quote yeah. about you know beware. beware the quiet man. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I think it was just basically him also embodying and personifying that sort of quote in you know a real person. And I like I really enjoyed his element of how he was you know he portrayed that character. And my problem is I think you're right, right? I think he does portray that character of beware the quiet man, but that does not a good movie make. Um, that does yeah. not make an interesting characterization makes so like do i think he played dick cheney well i guess i don't really know dick cheney i felt like i was looking at some old curmudgeon so sure (laughs) but like i definitely disagreed that when he was on screen he was commanding this scene like i felt like there were other like either amy adams um was in the scene i felt like she gave me more when she was there when steve carell's donald rumsfeld was around like i was immediately drawn towards him like there was just nothing magnetic about Bale's performance at all and I also feel like he slipped into like Batman voice a couple times and it made me uncomfortable (laughs) and I hate the way his mouth moves so I just like felt like there was because his characterization was so dry and like so lackluster I found myself focusing on little things I didn't like and it made me like annoyed with him Mm. Um, so that's like yeah that's how I feel about I guess Bale like the acting was fine if that's what you're going for but it just wasn't entertaining it wasn't captivating I wasn't moved so yeah Ricky I I know that uh, you mentioned like you really loved Amy Adams and I thought she did a really great job as well I just wish there was more of her in the movie I thought that relationship with Lynn and Dick Cheney is very telling about type of person that Dick is and um, we just get like a very subtle taste of what Lynn Cheney's all about and I find like that she's this book writer and she writes all these American history novels and everything um what is her stance on that I would love to pursue like like explore that a lot more to uh just give us a little bit more character to Lynn Cheney as well I think for the other actors that played the Cheneys, especially Alison Pill as, uh, as Mary, she was fantastic. But also, again, she just didn't really have that many scenes. And I feel like a lot of, like, it was really cool to see, like, that relationship between Dick and Mary, uh, especially because of her being gay. What was Dick Cheney's stance? Because we knew the Bush administration, they were very, like, uh, pushing for a marriage amendment between a man and a woman. Um, But Dick Cheney has a lesbian daughter. And so what does that relationship look like? I thought they did really solid job of showing like the difference between personal feelings versus political maneuvering and also having to deal with that game of politics as well. Um, Oh, go ahead, Ricky. Oh, no, I'll just say building on that. So I think that... I agree that the sisters were not included as much. And I think it became weird because their conflict felt more central at the end, but because they weren't baked in throughout the movie, it was like, what the fuck is this? Like, whatever. So, um, but I do think that Lynn, like they gave you enough little hints at like who she is. Like, though she's watching the Nixon thing and she was like, that's our fucking president. Like, 
she that gave you a sense of what she thinks about the presidency, what she thinks about um, you know morality and politics, and like what like if people have power, they're going to take it from you. It wasn't about like if you have power, you're likely to abuse it, right? So it's a different kind of perspective on what she's looking for there. But I also think that she is the only driving force in the like in the movies. So like I don't understand why Cheney does what he does. He doesn't really say why he does what he does. And I think the assumption is that, like, oh, he's a man who wants power. But, like, that's not who he always was because he was a fucking drunk nobody, right? And, like, all this happened because she was like, I didn't marry, like, like, you know, I married someone who's going to be successful. So, to me, I was like, it's his motivation just to do whatever she wants. Like, it's his motivation to live up to her ideal. Even at the end, right? Like, he said, um, hey, girls, this is the one time I can't do the thing your mom tells me to do. So, it makes me just wonder if like how true that actually is and like how like empty he actually was as a person. And if you are that empty, like why would you do such horrific things for the sake of like, you could have had the power and stature or whatever you wanted to do without doing the things the way you did it. Um, So if your motive was to just make your wife proud or to be, you know, somebody you didn't need to go this far with it. So I feel like we were missing something about who he was and where he was coming from that would have filled in that blank. And especially when especially. Oh uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, especially love uh, Woodlands out there stomping in Wyoming for Dick uh, during when he has his first heart attack, and you're like, oh wow, I'd probably vote for Lynn over Dick any day of the week because she she gets it, she gets the game, she gets what it takes to be elected, and he probably won because of that campaigning that she did for him. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of a bummer though because it feels like Amy Adams was a really I felt like she's supposed she's supposed to have a larger role, and I feel like at one point when the film kind of when Dick slowly starts getting to more and more power, she's taken more of a backseat to it. Because the beginning yeah. of the movie, she was the one that says, "You know, get your shit together," sort of thing, and talks about campaigning and how he's out here in the retirement home or something like that. And he's like, and she's like, just basically kind of giving him notes of how shitty it was. And you can clearly see that she's doing more and more, especially for him. And then once he, I guess he gets maybe to the White House, I assume, once he actually has a position in a White House, her, her entire sort of role in the movie is really just in the, like in the backseat at that point. So I'm curious to see if that was like something intentional or not, uh, because it felt like it was a bit of a shift. And so, you know, it kept, it came to the point where uh, their daughter was it Mary? Yeah. Her daughter Mary, you know, came out to them while they were in like the actual hospital because she's gotten to like uh, a car accident. And at that point, we can see that Dick Cheney was in support of Mary, but we have no idea exactly what Lynn was thinking the entire time because all she said was, This is going to be hard for you. And we don't know if that line was catered to Dick Cheney or Mary Cheney. And so, clearly for Mary Cheney. The way I felt, like, just the emotionality of the scene, I thought it was very much that. And to, and maybe it's biased by my own experience coming out, where, like, my mom said the same thing. Like, this is going to make everything in your life so much harder. And, like, if I'm happy. So I think that's something that people worry about. For them. They want the children to have an easy, happy life. So when it happens, it's like, oh, my God, I know what people think. I know what they're going to say. I, like, how are you going to deal with that? So I felt it was a very, like, human moment 
for her. I liked the, uh, the the moment and the line itself. The delivery I felt in the movie was directed at Dick because he was the one going to be senator and was actually having this power. And it was like, you know, what happens if they bring this up? Because your running mate is also not it's not supporting this. So that's why I thought it was towards Dick Cheney. But I also think in the movie is vague. And it's vague for a reason. Um, So we don't know what her stance – we don't know what Lynn's stance is on a lot of these things. You brought that up, Brylin. Like it was kind of a bummer if she's writing all these books. Don't just give me text on the actual movie. Tell me this from her character. She's right there. Why can't she explain this to herself or kind of like let her say it, especially the – you know, caliber of actress that she is. So I thought it was kind of weird and it feels like it took a turn and her entire character just took a backseat to everything that actually happened. And they wanted to show all the people, you know, in the white house and all the machinations that exactly was Dick Cheney was doing, um, which is kind of a bummer because it felt like, you know, it could have been a little bit more interesting, especially to see is if Lynn was really the uh, powerful Cheney, but that didn't happen. And then I mean, in the were- end, there were definitely two separate movies here. Yeah. Oh, um, I think there was like three. <laughs> I think there was like seven. Yeah, that, I, for, for sure there was three, especially with the amount of imagery that was being overlaid, the narration, like the the back and forth, like the nonlinear to- storytelling of the time was jumping all over the place. Like I was like, oh, I mean, I think you have to put that in if your main character, exactly what you're talking about, Brian, although I thought it was entertaining to watch, you guys said it correct. If... Um, Dick Cheney, you know, if Christian Bell is playing this role that's not the best to look at and like watch, we have to spice up this movie somehow. And I think all the other stuff that was happening in the movie spiced it up a little bit or, you know, enough. So uh, it's just curious to see. Yeah. What else you got, Bradley? Uh Yeah, for uh, other uh, cast members, uh, one that really stood out to me and surprised me was Tyler Perry as Colin Powell. Um, I thought that they had some really cool, interesting scenes for his character recreate, but he really worked for me as Colin Powell, and it made me want to see a Colin Powell film uh, with starring Tyler Perry, just because I, I mean, I know Tyler Perry from some Medea movies, but I've never seen him in like such a serious like in-depth role before and he definitely pulled off really well and he's another character like i wish i knew more about him uh in the uh movie tyler perry plays a good serious role it's just tough to see tyler perry in a serious role because you're like (laughs) where's your wig i don't get it um (laughs) this makeup kind of bothered me in this movie because Tyler Perry is definitely three or four shades darker than Colin Powell. Yeah. And so yeah. they had to lighten his skin. That that kind of bothered me, but that's like a, something super small. Still ended up darker than Colin Powell actually is. I was like, even despite the makeup they used to lighten him, he still ended up being darker than yeah. Colin actually is. Yeah, so. it, it was just like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. yeah it just, just don't. But yeah. it's the same thing with the prosthetic of... Um, Sam Rockwell, like being for George Bush, I was like, that. I didn't think his nose was that big, but okay, I, I'm just not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna worry about it. Um, or you could see the silly putty on um, Steve Carell's chin as Rumsfeld. So, so it's it just you know some of these things that I'm, I'm curious of, like 
who 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 decided to do that? But I liked it. I mean, it was super subtle. Uh, I I wanted. I was curious to see a bit more. But I'm always interested to see. You know, they're showing these characters these these characters, quote unquote, who are people in real life, and these things that they are shown in the movie affected these people's lives. That has to be very strange. I know that we see it a lot, but. These people are like right there, you know. They're still clearly alive. They're still going to watch this actual movie. So I'm curious to see, you know, uh, if McKay went and you know talked to these people. I I, I would doubt. Uh, but if Tyler Perry ever met, you know, Colin Powell, like I'm curious to see about that. And says, hey, you know, I'm we we're going to do this movie. Like I want your thoughts on it. Um, or if he just went kind of off the cuff and without it. So I'm always curious to some of the research um, that they choose to do and if they know what they're going to do and has an impact on the actual person who's living. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Colin Powell's fine for me. Um, he was definitely subtle. I think maybe too subtle. Um, I would have liked to see just a touch more hand wringing. Uh, like it felt weird for me to him say like, Oh, like I don't want to do this. And I understand why I got it. And he was, you know, overridden by the president. But for them to say this was like the most painful experience of his career. Like I wanted to see more, emotion from him if that's like what they were going to say for me and i didn't get that connection so but other than that it was it was he was fine like i would have also been interested in seeing a colin powell movie but not with tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's a good point to make uh ricky because um i feel like that's like one of the big issues i have with like a lot of the characters in this film is that um, we see them all the time in these very like reserved, like what you would see if you're getting ready to talk to the press, like the public eye uh, image that they have. And then even they even continue that type of behavior in the behind the scenes that we may or may not know that much about, like in the war rooms and things like that. And we're not really seeing emotion or anything. We're still seeing these like proper reserved, like, um, we're about to talk to the press corps type of behaviors, right. Right. even when they're in like a room and nine 11 just happened. And I'm sure a lot of cuss words were thrown around yeah. at that time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, when it comes to like other characters in here, like the bushes and Rumsfeld, I felt like they started to become caricatures, like even Rumsfeld, like being very colorful and everything as he was, um, I, I it just it felt very cartoony uh, with it coming with from Steve Carell, um, and um, I felt that uh, there was a lot of just characters that are kind of important for the career of Dick Cheney that they just gloss over, like Bush Senior. He was Secretary of Defense for Bush Senior, and they just jump from him as uh, I think uh, just talking as a congressman to Bush at a party, jump past Bush seniors and Clinton's administrations and go right into W running for president. And I felt like that's a huge gap of Mm -hmm. Dick Cheney right there that we don't know anything about. Um, And I found it like very interesting that they found people to look like all these characters or even add a lot of makeup to make them look like these characters. But the one character that we always saw their back and we didn't really get an actor for was Ronald Reagan for some reason. And I wonder if that was on purpose or not. I mean, they did a lot of, uh, like a couple of video clips of Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Um, I guess I have a question for you based on what you just said. Do you feel like 
the characters were actually caricatures or that because Bale's Cheney was so dry, it made them seem more extreme than they actually were. Because like when this when I saw in the beginning when like Rumsfeld was like being himself, like it looked like just a boisterous white like white dude like who has power like it, it didn't it didn't seem weird to me it only seemed weird to me when people had personality except dick cheney that's what made it weird when everyone else had a moment where like i saw who they were like mary's car accident um Rumsfeld in the office um bush eating the ribs and whatnot like everyone had a moment where they felt like funny and humanizing would not except dick cheney and i think that that is what made them all look strange in comparison where like if you're going to do a movie with a character like Bale's Cheney, then you need everyone to be stoic and serious, and then make a serious movie. But this was supposed to be like flirting with kind of comedy, so I thought those characters were more appropriate than Bale's Cheney was. Yeah, I mean they did feel like caricatures to me for the most part, um, and um, especially like uh, W and Rumsfeld, they did feel like we're, we need to play them up a little bit just for humor's sake. Um, but I felt like uh, they they do have juxt- that juxtaposition to show like they're kind of a bit more human than Dick Cheney is. But also at the same time, we find like that one human thing that Dick Cheney has is that love for his family, and they never go away from that. He never loses that, even though the ending's a little bit questionable. Did he actually tell Liz to? do what she did to win the Wyoming congressman. Yeah. I don't know. And his love for his family was even showed very dry. Like, I, I just yeah. don't, I don't, he didn't give me any human emotion at all in the movie. And I feel like it's hard to, I think like it's hard to knock other people, other the other actors for like kind of filling that gap because like, what else are they going to, what else are they going to do? Like, it just would have been so empty. Um, like, even him saying like, "Oh, I love my like ho- holding her," like he just it just felt robotic. I don't know. I didn't like it. But I mean, no. Ricky, I'm curious because I think some of the things that you're mentioning was they, you know, they visually showed the fact that he has a black heart and the fact that Dick Cheney is literally heartless and never gave a shit. I'm wondering if that roboticness that you're seeing is he just didn't heart. He didn't have a heart. He he had a bad heart the entire time, and they literally made it seem like. Once they took out the heart, you can see the heart is kind of corroding on the sur- on the surgical table, and how black that that was in his body the entire time at one of the ending sequences. If that was literally the epitome of who Dick Cheney was and what we've seen through the entire movie, so I'm, I'm curious to see if you if you feel like that was that, or if you feel like it was maybe something a little bit different. So I think that I think it's different, and I think that they were trying to do what you're saying but I think it didn't work because the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. Mm. Um, I think that there was a comedic element to the movie in terms of like some of the perspective taking they did, which we'll talk about later on um, in terms of like the other characters they had around him. Like I just saw a lot of elements for what could have been a really good political comedy that was dragged down by a, just a stoic, bland Cheney who was a centerpiece. Right. And I think that you can make a character seem be heartless but also have a personality. And like also like by and, and the way one way of doing that too is by like talking about their motivations. We never know why he did what he did. Like it's assumed that he gave the Halliburton contract because he would see but like 
do you know someone there? Like, I just, I didn't get enough of, like, why he was doing what he was doing to make his coldness, like, feel like actual coldness. And so, like, that's, you can make a funny, dark, cold character, and they didn't do that. And I think that you can also make a serious character, like, which I think he was closer to being, but that's a different movie. That's more of a, like, a Lincoln movie. That's not this that's not the movie with all the stuff spiced in and, you know, the, the perspective taken. Like, it's just a different film. So I feel like the two, and that's why I was trying to push Rylan on that because I feel like I don't want to knock Steve Carell for doing what I thought was a really good com- comedic job with Rumsfeld and, like, making me like and care for that character when I think he only seemed like a caricature because you have that centerpiece of such a dry Cheney that makes everyone else seem like, well, if Cheney's the main character and he's this dry, why are you all being so extra? But it's really, they're not being extra. He's just being bad. Like that's what, that's how I saw it. Yeah, and um, yeah, the the last character I wanted to mention is uh, Kurt, and he's the narrator of the movie, and he totally didn't work for me. So um, we don't know. Well, I won't say we all don't know, but uh, I don't know if the story behind Kurt is real or not. Um, but he, we find, we discover that he's Dick Cheney's heart donor. Uh, and we see him in Iraq as a soldier and everything, but uh, he's narrating the story, and then eventually we see him get killed by being hit by a car, and then we have this long heart surgery uh, scene that we'll get into a little later. But uh, Jesse Plemons, as much as um, I find him to be funny and everything, I felt that his narration was just a little too just matter-of-fact and dry for what's supposed to be a comedic movie uh, for me to to help drive the narrate the narrative of the story um I would agree with that the narration didn't work for me um, and he said that we're related but I don't know if I would call them related because he has your heart um, connected maybe <laughs> yeah it just was weird how it how it was yeah. introduced um I also like felt that that thing at the end about him saying his new heart is supposed to just someone else's heart was like just a needless attack. It just was like insult. Like, I'm just want to drive the uh, point home that he's like mean even further. And, like it wasn't needed. So I just felt like all of that window dressing um, wasn't necessary. Yeah. For me, where what you could have done is had like Lynn narrate the fucking movie, and then we would get more of her perspective and like see what her role might have been in these things in the White House by like having her say like you know my husband did this. So there could have been other narration things that I think would have been more interesting. I just thought this was or no narration at all, right? But I just thought this was bad. Yeah, I'm curious about that because um, if if this movie felt like it was definitely to paint a target on how evil. Um, Dick Cheney did or some of the things that he did was how evil that not only he did but how evil just politics and politicians tend to do shit um, especially in like the, kind of the biggest time that we have it with the Bush administration and when we, we talked about it through the both Bush administrations as well as uh, Reagan and um, the entire time frame that it had uh Looking, I looked up a couple things of they don't know who the donor was. He did have you know a heart transplant. He was on the transplant list for about twenty months, um, but they don't know who the actual donor donor. So they don't know who it came from. So that I'm assuming that's definitely a fictitious character. Um, but the also to the fact that this dude had like 
terrible heart problems for like a long time. I think he had a tri- quadruple bypass back in like 1988. So, and that was just because of his poor diet and like all the other shit. So I'm like, yeah. I, I also have some issues with that, but that's neither here nor there. We're not going to get into that conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I was curious about it because it made it seem like he, as in Kurt, like it made it seem like he clearly did not like Dick Cheney, and he always he always knew he was up to no good. So I was a bit of confused of how should I feel about these characters? Are you you're really painting a picture and saying that hey, this person's bad because of this, 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 or you're just telling me that hey, the people that's in power are going to do whatever they want to make sure that they stay in power. And they also, you know, reap all the benefits from being in power. Uh, I just wasn't sure. I mean, again, we talked about how many different movies was packed into one. So the overall message was a little odd from what Kurt was telling me because I was trying to believe it. But what they were showing me and how, you know, family man oriented that, you know, uh, Dick Cheney was. I was like, that doesn't quite match. So he's not quite complex, but I'm still not quite following why I should hate this guy. Um, and the title of the movie is called Vice, and yes, it's meant for vice president, but vice is also meant for, you know, an, uh, something bad. So um, the overall sort of, like, vision that or, you know, character that Kurt was really kind of confused me. I'm, I don't say I didn't like it, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. He also lacked, like, you just saying that made me think of how he really lacked narrative authority as well, right? Like, usually a, narrative need, a narrator needs to know something about the subject that like we don't know or like that will that will give them insight into how they can tell a story he has never met dick cheney in his life apparently so like, how do you know any of this um and like that to me i feel like is also a weak point where it's like you didn't have to do this yeah like the narr- the narrator would have been interesting their narration excuse me would have been interesting if we it would actually was changing right what if it started at lynn in the beginning of the story and then it went to rumsfeld at one point and then it went to george bush at one point then it went back to rumsfeld because he came back right if there's somebody who's in the know like clearly you're telling me i should know these facts yet you've never met this person so you're not trustworthy it's tough for me to trust you when you have no idea either so then who is telling me all this information right or was the narration the entire time this weird way to say that dick cheney was narrating the entire movie which he could have done i think it would have been interesting too especially because that would have given the motivation exactly what you're looking for of why he wanted to do each and every one and as you you know you can always look at it as you know you pull back a picture and you see that dick cheney has these all these pictures and all these threads of yarn going all over the place you know some sort of visual representation of motivation that would have made a bit more sense of why he's doing some of these things exactly what you're talking about ricky um i think one of the only things maybe two or three items was the um, the fact that they needed to say that this is the, uh, the war was with Iraq, and because they were trying to get you know money and oil and all that stuff from over there, so that they they kind of like tied that stuff together of his motivations on why they need to go and invade Iraq, but not many other things. But even yeah. with that, right? So like we got we understood the motivation was to get the oil, right? Because he divided it up. But what was in that for him? Like that's something you don't know. So it's like the that's company, what I, that company huh? that that company that was uh, Halliburton. Yeah, Halliburton. But they had like a contract for 
other stuff, not just the oil, too. And, like, so in the other companies that were spread out in Iraq, it wasn't just Halliburton. It was other people, too. So, like, mm-hmm. I wanted, like, was there some wheeling and dealing that went on? Why, why didn't we see that? Like, that's what I mean. Like, I could, I could interpret motives from what was happening, but, like, that's the same as me being a pundit, like, watching TV saying, oh, I think Donald Trump's doing this because he's crazy, right? Like, if you're going to tell me a story about Trump, I want you to know, like, I want to know what you think his actual motive was, not me inputting it on him, just like I would if I was reading it, you know, on the news. <laughs> That's what I felt was missing. But. Yeah. I feel like they for, they totally missed the point of an unreliable narrator where an unreliable narrator is supposed to lead you astray on what's actually going on, where this narrator didn't lead us astray at all, told us exactly what was going on, and then we have this moment of where we're supposed to empathize with the narrator, but we don't have any reason to empathize with the narrator. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ricky, what you got for characters? Um, I mean, so we kind of talked about everything I talked about, wanted to talk about with characters. I thought Lynn was great. I thought she brought to the heart of the movie. Um, I would have liked to see her more in the second half. I thought Steve Carell's Rumsfeld was amazing. He was the only character that I found funny and interesting. Um, I thought Sam Rockwell's Bush was a little too clueless in terms of like the overall plot and what was going on. I just can't imagine it went down that way. But I don't blame that on Rockwell. I blame that on the writing. I think that he actually did a really good job in the role, and the accent was there. He was funny. Um, that weird thing with his finger bothered me, but I don't think anyone else probably even noticed that. Um, <laughs> he's like missing the tip of one of his left fingers. Yeah, it's strange. And you saw when he was eating the rib. It was yeah, it freaked me out. Oh, uh, is that real? I don't know if it's actually oh, no. real. For I don't think Bush had that. I think that's actually Rockwell's finger. But interesting. Yeah, it's like weird. Um, you who else has one of those? Uh, the guy from Friends has one of those too. Chandler from Friends is missing like the tip of one of his fingers. Anyways, um, but yeah, I just I, I we've talked about everything I wanted to say in terms of characters. Yeah, I'm curious. The one thing I did want to mention, and you you know you just touched on was um, you know one of the things that Emma brought up was it really feels like not only uh, Bush would be in kind of bumbling that they're painting him in this movie. They're kind of painting him in more of a more positive light that he didn't know what was going on. Like, if he had no idea, he was just saying, yeah, or I'm just going to go and trust what Dick Cheney was telling me the entire time of all the fucked up shit that was happening while he was president. So it was almost as if they were kind of letting him off the hook uh, to the point where everything that went bad and the, the way that I was feeling, and this is the sense that I got through the entire movie, everything that went bad in the White House since Dick, uh, the Dick Cheney got there was because of Dick Cheney. And by bad, I'm, but not, hey, like, not bad, but like just like everything. Was yeah, that- like it wasn't on him in terms of the, how they handled that response. Like we didn't see him involved in that. Um, there were other scandals that occurred that too. I and I don't know if we let him off the hook because he says multiple times that you're my guy. Like Cheney's the one he wanted, so therefore, like you are guilty by association, and like you had the power to care and change things, and you chose not to. So even if you didn't do the you know deeds yourself like the fact that you put the person in power position to do those deeds and then didn't do anything to stop them you're just as like liable as he is so i didn't get the kind of like moral cleansing thing of it um i just thought they were trying to drive the point home that it was more 
I don't think Bush wanted to be president for any particular reason. I think Bush wanted to be president because his father was president, and therefore he should be president. And I think that's what they were trying to get at um, in a funny way by making him seem so aloof and dumb. But um, I do believe to an extent that he was separate from a lot of this like nitty-gritty details because I just don't know if he cared as much. But um, I don't think it was to the extent that the movie showed. Yeah, I also think I highly doubt it was as smooth sailing for Cheney to run everything the way they say, especially like when they were showing like the pieces and the people being put together that um, like they're saying, oh, like we can get around this person this way. We can get around this person this way. I mean, Bush still had some Bush people that were um, definitely going to bat for like and giving pressure like why we shouldn't go into Iraq like Colin Powell, like Condi Rice and we lose out on all that and when if you had a lot of that conflict in the movie then you might have had a more interesting movie as well and like see how did cheney like get past conflict when he ran into it yeah yeah Yeah, that would have been interesting i agree agree with that and it also would have like the way in which to make it seem like cheney was so such a mastermind they did make some of these characters who we know like they had to be silent like everyone in that room when he like said like yeah you're presidential authority there's no way everyone in that room is just being like okay cool he lied that's fine like someone would have said something and but that wouldn't have worked the narrative of cheney being in control of everything so they kind of like changed that but Mm. i think you're right the more um nuanced interpretation of just that push and pull and like how Cheney ultimately won on certain things, but then didn't win on others, right? Like Scooter Libby, he did not get that part in that he wanted Scooter Libby to get. And like, that's an important fact that we don't really talk about. So in the movie, um, which shows again, that there were limits to Cheney's power and influence too. Right. So I do think that it was, it left a lot to be desired in that department. Yeah. I I think the only thing that, um, I just wanted to add also because we talked a little bit about like some of the imagery and the directing was they kept splicing in different shots and different scenes. And so when Bush goes and asks him, I think when Bush goes and asks him or when Cheney goes back and talks to Bush in the office and he's like talking about, you know, basically um, trying to figure out exactly how much power he's going to have. They kept going back to a little fly fishing sequence of you had the little, you put the little bait in the water and then the little fish comes and the bait kind of moves around. And so that was what I, that's why I thought it was a bit more definitely focused on the bad shit that Cheney did and how manipulative that he was and less yeah. on Bush because it kept going back and forth. It says clearly, and earlier on, right, we talked, we got shown the fact that he loves to be a fisherman. So then that scene comes and is back and forth and he clearly is making sure that he can get exactly what he wants. That made it seem like Bush is kind of to the side on it a little bit, you know, or a lot in that case. And it's really all going from Cheney's mind and, you know, Lynn's mind too, because he did talk about some things also. So that was the only kind of feeling I was get of um, him being let off the hook a little bit. But yeah, I can see with that. All right, so talked a bunch about characters, and I know we already kind of mentioned this, but I'm curious to see, you know, what are the impacts that we have from this narration sort of technique? So this is a kind of a first-person peripheral, um, so not quite sort of third-person. So this character is in the movie. You know, he clearly is narrating over. He is actually affecting the other environments too. So, Brylon, what you got? Yeah, so I wanted to start off with, like, narrative structure, but also just overall 
creation of the movie that um, at this is Adam McKay's like second serious film, I would say. Um, and his first one's The Big Short, which uses a similar narrative style. And I think it really works for The Big Short. Like if I saw The Big Short the year it came out, it would have been my favorite movie of that year. Um, and I feel that it doesn't work the same in this movie because you have it focusing on two different types of things. Like The Big Short, like your main focus is actually on this inevitable economic crumble that's about to happen that people are scampering around and seeing like, all right, how do we either save our asses or how do we let everybody know to save their own asses? Um, and in this, we're focusing on a singular person and a smaller story, but they're still using the same type of uh, narrative and movie uh, storytelling techniques that they use in the big short. And I feel like it doesn't work the same because um, the, uh, the focus is much smaller than what you get in the big short. And I find that they waste a lot of time in the movie by just giving us like these long, ominous, drawn out uh, shots of either Cheney walking down a hallway in Congress or uh, Cheney staring into a mirror or Cheney sitting in a chair and we're just looking at him for usually a lot longer than we should in a movie. And it doesn't really play out that well. Um, and I find that... Um, it leads to moments that just feel like don't really have a point or it's so subtle that I totally missed the point of it. Like uh, when they cut to him getting his heart transplant surgery, um, it's the only like five minutes in the movie where things are absolutely silent. You're just watching the surgery happen and you're watching the surgeons take his heart out and put the new heart in and, um, and uh, you have a little bit of narration from Kurt while he's in the morgue being all stitched up and everything. Um, but uh, it's, it just felt like a very awkward moment that took me out of the movie. Uh, and I kind of like lost the movie at that point. And I felt like the narration of the movie just all over the place. Uh, Ricky, you mentioned that people being silent in the war room. I wish they gave Condi Rice some lines because... Condoleezza Rice is an amazing politician, and she should have some significant lines because she was a significant character at this point in time. Um, and um, I also found that it also hurts other moments that we should care about, like when it only came to Liz running for Congress in Wyoming, and she decides to come out and say she's against gay marriage. And what that means to Marie and everything, I feel that that moment is not earned because we waste all this time with these long, drawn-out shots where we could have built out these characters a lot more and made that felt much harder. So when you said that, I didn't know it was by the same guy who did the big short until you just said that. Um, and I can totally see it. And what I feel, I think it would have worked if the movie was just on the Iraq war and the concept of the unitary executive, Mm -hmm. like that was just the film. It would have worked. Um, but everything else, like, I don't think we needed the stuff with Lynn Cheney running. I don't think we needed the stuff with like drunk pre whatever Cheney, like that's a second movie. Um, cause those, that element of when they were showing like, you know, this is what unitary executive is. This is what they were doing. Like, 
Um, the dinner scene where they were, you know, ordering up different, um, you know, elements of like corruption or whatever. Like I thought that was amazing and definitely made me think of the big short. So I think that uh, you're right. It did not have the focus was too small in this movie because it was on him as a person as opposed to the Iraq war as a scandal like they did with the big short where like, yes, it was about this one character, but the main character in the story was the actual financial crisis. And that guy was walking us through it. And this should have been Cheney walking us through the Iraq war and the unitary executive idea, not what it ended up being as like a biopic or whatever. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that, like I would prefer more of the young Cheney story and see like, what did he go through to become like, have this type of focus going into politics uh, because it, it like baffled me that they went from him being drunk and beat up in the middle of the Lynn's living room, and then all of a sudden he's in congressional internship program. And I'm like, hey, a lot happened between those couple of years, right? Such there. a huge jump, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's um, and yeah, like even like I I would say there's some great moments in this movie. Like one of my favorite moments is. Dick and Lynn in bed, and they all of a sudden break into these like Shakespearean oh, monologues with one another. Loved it. Yeah, is weird and creepy, but also hilarious at the same time. And um, even though it has those unique moments that make they, makes Adam McKay a very creative director and filmmaker, um, the pieces just don't come together really well in this movie. Um, I mean, I kind of said my piece uh, in response to Brylin, I really did like some of the um, the elements that played during that unitary executive that part of it, I liked how that was done and I wish that we got more of a focus on that kind of element of storytelling than uh, we did before. I did enjoy I thought it was weird but I did enjoy that scene with Lynn and um, Dick doing that weird you know, recital and like weird sex thing Um I love the dinner. I actually really enjoyed the like splicing of like irrelevant like animal imagery and like whatever else like to give you that kind of emotional cue that was like lacking because the character had no fucking emotions. Um, so I yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got for that. Yeah, I mean the the, the only thing I, I'm glad that they actually did something a little bit different. Um, I think Ricky, you. This would have been amazing if Dick Cheney was the narrator, um, because then his lasting speech at the end would have been even more impactful. Because he's like navigating us through with some of his motivations, and almost to the point where it's like, "This is what I did. This is why I did it." And then look at the screen and says, "I don't give a shit what you think," sort of thing. It was uh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's kind of a bummer. I mean, I'm glad that they kind of try something new and try something different. I, I for some strange reason, I had forgot that the, some of the movies that Adam McKay actually did. Until I looked back, I was like, oh, some of my Anchorman. favorite movies, yeah, <laughs> Anchorman, Step Brothers, like crazy, crazy movies. Um, and he did a lot of uh, SNL and kind of Saturday Night Live. So I think you can see some of these things that he actually was put from his previous works you can see some of the things that's kind of coming kind of bleeding into here some of the characters some of the bumbling some of the snl sort of sketches i mean even george bush himself seemed like it was an snl character of him um like knowing that it makes sense mm -hmm. but it also strengthens my opinion that the other characters are normal and dick cheney's the outlier yeah 
I mean, it'd be curious. I, I, I'll be curious to see the full cut before they edited it and kind of spice things out. I'll be curious to see or just like read the script of exactly what was his overall vision and overall thought. And if this narration technique was always in there or was this something that he wanted to put in later on? Um, Because it it doesn't quite make sense unless there's more information that we have no idea about, right? Like unless there's something that we have complete no knowledge and he knew somehow he knew some more information. Mm, I don't know. And with that, we are going to talk about, so lasting thoughts. So Brylin, lasting thoughts for Vice. Would you recommend this movie? If so, what other movies would you tell people to watch beforehand? Uh, yeah, so when it comes to Vice, I found it to be a really messy attempt, but also a creative attempt to kind of tell the story of one of the U.S.'s most influential politicians in modern history. Um, I just think the scope of Channing's life is so vast that one movie can't really capture it, especially for how long he operated the higher echelons of federal politics. Um, and it would have been better to see this as like a miniseries on Netflix or HBO or seen it. I mean, hey, if you're going to get bold and daring about a politician, go bold and daring. Make a whole movie trilogy out of it and see if that will be something interesting to tell. No, I mean, I like <laughs> – I mean, it would have been tough to make. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I do love Adam McKay's style. Um, I'm kind of excited to see his next movie, which it looks like is called – Bad Blood, which is about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, so oh, it stars Jennifer Lawrence. So oh, that, might be, that sounds really good, actually. So that might be an interesting take. So I'm hoping that uh, he writes his directing ship and makes something as solid as Big Short next um, time. This movie was kind of tough because it definitely felt like it was a multiple of movies that was just kind of spiced together, uh, and it was tough to kind of get a sense of how some. It's tough to get a sense of exactly what he meant, what McKay was trying to do, what Bale was trying to do, and uh, just the writing definitely seemed like kind of out there. Um, it's tough for me to kind of recommend the movie, but you know, if anything, this may kind of give some uh, younger people, younger audiences, a little bit more information. At least it says, hey. If you're not really into kind of politics and things like that, like you can watch this a little bit to get a start of, you know, look at some of the impact of it and then go research the real stuff um, to, to kind of get you there. Because to tell them to go research the real stuff, they won't do it. But if to tell them that, hey, this is about, you know, a guy who was in power for a very long time and is spliced in a bunch of different sort of huge, huge things that happened in history, especially that what we talked about, they talked about the death tax and the, what was the... Uh, oh, yeah, the, the the focus groups. Focus groups, yeah. And those focus yeah. groups was... Apparently there was another one after the movie. Did you tell me that, Braylon? Yeah, there was a yeah the mid credits one. Yeah, I missed that. I didn't. Who, first of all, mid credit scenes are getting out of control. I'm just when the fucking movie stops, yeah. I'm leaving my seat. <laughs> <laughs> like, it. y'all Watching. like Marvel? No. Yeah. Um, but so um, it's it's kind of tough. I would say. Sure, go watch the movie, um, but you know don't go. Don't expect to have your entire sort of um, knowledge base sort of changed or moved um, or altered by any chance or any way. Yeah. 
And I also wanted to add, uh, like, uh, just two political, like, comedy satires I'd recommend are uh, Primary Colors and Wag the Dog. I think they do this type of thing much better. Uh, but also, they're also very interesting uh, political commentaries as well. Um, I would... So, like, I told my friend via text, I was like, I thought it was interesting. I would recommend someone watch it if they could watch it for free. I don't, or like on a service you're already paying for, I don't recommend going to a theater to watch it. Um, I think, and while I'll say I recommend it in that sense, that I think it's a good visual art piece. Like, there are a lot of metaphors, a lot of perspective taking. I thought it was just interesting to watch as like a film. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, oh, where are you going with this? Like, what your style is? Like, I thought that was cool. I do think it's a very good jumping off point in terms of like stuff you want to look up more of, right? Like they gave you just enough detail where it's like, uh, I feel like you're missing something. Let me go do the research. Excuse me. Sorry. And I just, I really, really, really just wish the movie had been only on the idea of the Iraq war and the unitary executive, because I think that the Imperial presidency, which is kind of wrapped up in that unitary executive idea is like something that we're still dealing with now with, with Obama and Trump. Um, and a lot of that precedent came from what happened during the Bush era. So I think that that's the more, if you're talking about Cheney's legacy, I don't care. Secretary of Defense says, but like, maybe I just think his legacy is that like, that's the big piece. And like, you can just start from there. I don't need to know about, you know, his kids and his like, you know, running for shitty office in Wyoming and being bad. Like that was just not necessary. And I also thought that this movie did something that no other movie on politics that I've seen has ever done. And that was show the disconnect between the personal values of a politician and like their, their actual decision making. Mm. Like they're dealing with kind of the whole, um, like I felt like Lynn going on these rants about, you know, conservative value shit. Like, I don't know if she actually believed that as much as she believed that it would rile up people to get them to vote. And like, that is, I felt, I felt that in a way that other political movies, it's like, I feel like they try and sell you on this is what the person believes, Mm -hmm. not just saying to get elected. Um, And again, that was also driven home even further with the whole gay marriage thing. So I, I would have liked to see maybe a little more attention paid to that too. And like other elements of, of where that may intersect. So, and also he mentioned too, like, what do we believe with his conversation with Donald Rumsfeld? And he laughed, like, you don't believe anything. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, we're going to get elected. So, ah, it's revealing. It's saddening. Um, I really deeply hope that it is only <laughs> part of the Republican Party, but I'm sure that's not true. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. So, that's that. And with that, we are the Downerfront Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and kind of hanging out with us with our very special guest, Rick A. Uh... Rylan, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me fishing for likes on Twitter at Rylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also find me post many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland. How are you spelling fishing? F-I-S-H-I-N. Oh, come on. <laughs> that was an email joke. Come on. Come on now. Oh, okay. Come on now. <laughs> I don't uh, do that type of fishing. Ah, okay. Are you sh- what, what's, okay. Let's say sure. Uh, Ricky, where can people find more of your work on the internet? And what else do you do? Um, 
so what else do I do? That's a vague question. You can find my Instagram at, at ron.dangers. Um, what else do I do? I'm a PhD student. I um, also run a sports podcast with my best friend. And you can... <laughs> And you can check that out. It's called Encroachment. Um, and we really just kind of talk about the NFL specifically from the perspective of two fans, one who happens to be a woman and one who happens to be gay. Um, so you get a lot of kind of like ogling over the men, a lot of like kind of funny things that you wouldn't hear from like traditional bros and old players talking about sports. So if you like sports, but you're not into the whole, you know, hyper aggressive, um, element of like the debate scene you would get on like a first take or like a, you know Skip and Shannon or if you're not really interested in the 538 super data heavy kind of analysis on sports or just want something fun for people who watch it and like are asking questions that you may ask your friends check us out at Encroachment and you can find us on Twitter at, at Encroachment Pod I mean the show's actually hilarious so I'm really excited about it I did want to ask you that did you see about Reuben Foster I did, I did. The charts were dropped. Um, I'm sure that was some sketchy hand greasing behind the scenes. I mean, Greg Hardy also got his charges dropped. So did ZQ Elliott. So I think he'll still get a suspension. Um, I think it makes the Redskins look better than they would have otherwise for signing him. Um, And possibly explains better why they signed him and not Kareem Hunt, because you can't really get them dismissed when there's a video of you kicking the girl in the face. Um, Oh, I don't huh? think there was. I don't think there was any question. I think that dude's done. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that so there are certain certain subset of Redskins fans who felt like if you're going to be compromising your morals for a mm. player like Ben Foster, like when there's a super talented young running back like Kareem Hunt, like if if you're already saying you don't care about that shit, just go full bore with it and just sign him too, right? So and just say like we're going to rehabilitate him. Like you can make that work from a PR perspective if you just don't care. Yeah. Um, so for me, this showed that. Yes, they don't care, but they're still a little more calculating because they did it <laughs> on more of a low risk scenario than the other one. The other one would have. So, yeah, I definitely saw the news. <laughs> yeah, Ricky, uh, what's your prediction for Super Bowl Fifty Three? What two teams are going to be in there? Uh, my actual prediction or what I want to see? Uh, what you want to see? No, so, the actual prediction. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not letting him answer that question. Actual prediction, please. I'll give you both. No. I want to see Patriots at Saints. I want to see Breeze Brady in the Super Bowl. I think that would be amazing. Two fucking legends going at it. Um, I think it would actually be a pretty good matchup. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how, if that happens. What I think will happen, oh, I really just feel like that Chicago Bears defense is so legit. Um, and, like, Trubisky can make the big plays when he needs to, and Matt Nagy's offensive play calling is really, uh, you know, innovative and new, so I could easily see them coming out of the NFC. Um, yeah, I think they could take the Saints at home. Like, I'm just, I just, I don't see a team that they can't beat, in my opinion. Um, and when I look at the AFC side, I think it really depends on what happens in a wildcard weekend, right? So I think that if Houston wins... I think the Patriots are probably in the Super Bowl. Um, because I think that, that means you're going to get Houston. We're going to get Houston for the divisional round. We're going to beat them because we always fucking beat them. And then you have to have Kansas City deal with either the Chargers or the Ravens, either one of which I think would beat them at home, and then we have another playoff game at home for the Patriots. So I could see us going that way. If the Colts win, I could easily see the Colts probably making it. Um, 
just basically have a strong running game. Andrew Luck's playing out of his mind. The defense looks good. So, yeah, that's, I would say, either Colts, Patriots, at the Bears. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Ravens, Bears. Ravens are not going to fucking make it. I don't see it. Lamar Jackson, the first rookie QB ever I don't to see it. win the Super Bowl. I don't see it. It's going to be great. No, the Chargers have already the Chargers have already played them once. I think they're going to have and a game. Lost, yeah, and lost. But I don't. I think that it's a gimmicky offense. It like if you can figure out how to break it, and I think it's easier to figure out how to break it when you've played it once before and know what worked or didn't work. So I and I think if you also put up points on them early, they can't come back from a lead. So if you go out there and just make some get a good fourteen point lead early on in them, that that offense cannot come back from that. Okay, we can sit here and talk about this all night, but I'm going to round <laughs> off the show. So, with that, thanks. you're wrong. You're <laughs> no, wrong. That's, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Check, check out more of our work downinfrontpodcast.com. Uh, we're going to be on Facebook, we're on Instagram. I mean, literally anywhere and everywhere you want to search for us, downinfrontpodcast.com. If you like what we do, you want to actually sign up, become think about becoming a patron. Patreon.com/slash/downinfrontpodcast. Everything is little as one dollar. All and everything helps. Um, so super excited, Ricky. Thanks so much for having it on. I, I wanted to ask that question just so that we can get it. A sense of what you talk about on your show, so that give you everybody kind of a sneak peek um, oh, for there. Thank you. I try, uh, Brylin. What's our next review? Uh, our next review is our best of 2018 show. Oh, interesting. So that's what you're saving your movie for. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a long episode. I mean, this is pretty. Yeah.